Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. I am so happy, glad to be back with you today. My daughter called me a week ago and asked counsel. Nothing makes you happier than when your kids look to you as a resource. She is having uh, some difficulties, a problem person in her life. And she reached out to me. We had a good hour talk and she said, Dad, you got to do a podcast on this. (laughs) Difficult people. I call it biblical principles of problem resolution. Man, oh man, where do you even begin with this topic? Well, the Bible begins on page two, immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, Adam blamed it all on Eve. And we're off to the people problem races. Chapter four, Cain killed his brother Abel. And so uh, human conflict is the history of the world. The human race was off to human conflict everywhere. Because of our sin and conflict with God, it shows up with our conflict among ourselves. In the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, our intellect was darkened, our emotions were perverted, and our wills became rebellious and self-centered. God's plan was for truth and love to guide and control us, but in the fall into sin, we seem to have lies and hate becoming a dominant human instinctual pattern. We are all in the same battle, and it ain't easy, and it ain't fun, but it is our daily reality. There are stages in this battle. Number one, I I think of the personal battle within to find truth, to find Christ for me inside, to, to, to come to grips with my own depravity and yielding to Christ so we can rise above our depravity and not, not let our sin reign in our lives. God sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to empower us, to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's just all part of the whole Christian experience where he comes inside to help us by his spirit. But number two, the personal battles without, with people in our lives who likewise have all of the same struggles that we have. People problem issues takes me to one of my favorite passages of scripture uh, on this topic. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is penning his last words. He wrote half the New Testament. These are the final words that he writes. They're being written to uh, his uh, preacher boy, Timothy. Uh, Paul is going to be martyred in the morning, and yet he's completely cheerful, filled with the Holy Spirit, finished his course well. He's writing to his beloved son, uh, Timothy, He saves what I think is the best for last. In chapter four, he reviews the people in his life. He gives three categories of people. Number one, those who hindered him. Number two, those who hurt him. Why would he put that in the list of important people in his lives? We'll see in a moment. Number three, those who helped him. Those who hindered, those who hurt, and those who helped him who thankfully were a much longer list than the others. He mentions in that list of people who hindered him, Alexander the coppersmith, who was a pagan god maker. He made the little images and sold them at exorbitant prices to the 
people who would come to worship the goddess Diana in Ephesus. He hated Paul because those converting from paganism to Jesus under Paul's preaching were costing him money. They weren't buying his products anymore, his little God dolls that he produced. And you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. He led an event to ridicule and even to destroy Paul, but thank God it all backfired on him. And yet Paul, at the end of the road, puts him into that special list of people that were important in his life. Why would he do that? I think I know why. Some people draw us to Jesus, and some people drive us to Jesus. Alexander was one of those of many who hindered Paul, but Paul always saw them fail. Greater was he that was in Paul than he that was in the world. They only made him lean harder on the Lord. All the problems they created were only opportunities for God to fix. The hinderers only made Paul stronger and his faith to grow. Paul did not let them get under his skin. He did not allow them to gain a dominant place in his thinking. He did not focus on those who hindered. He focused on the one who would empower him to get past it. They were opportunities for him to see God's hand of deliverance move. He did not make them an excuse. He did not quit God because of their attacks. Paul did not know Alexander the coppersmith at a personal level, but as an enemy combatant along the way that nearly got Paul killed. God uses those who hinder us to help us to grow and to see God's mighty hand move to help us through. God always has a reason for allowing people in our lives, even if they hinder us. And I would remind you that God is good. He knows what he's doing. His plan is awesome. Number two, Paul mentions that group of people who hurt him. Paul mentions Demas hath forsaken me. Demas was one of Paul's preacher boys, just like Timothy was. But Demas turned away from the Lord and deserted Paul while on a missionary journey. Paul doesn't say too much about the why. He just said he loved this present world and evidently he was not comfortable to make the sacrifices that are necessary to be at Paul's side taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, Some people are just not willing to make the sacrifices in Demas was like that. Paul had poured into him just like he had poured into Timothy. Timothy brought him great joy. Demas broke his heart. It hurt because Paul was personally involved in Demas's life. He loved him. They traveled together. They ate together and it broke his heart. That's all part of our journey with Christ. Not everyone uh, is going to be at our side, stay at our side, and finish at our side. Paul chose not to get bitter over Demas. God, through his spirit, enlightened Paul, and Paul just uh, got tougher. He got better. He was more resolved to finish his course in victory. Jesus, did he have uh, people who hurt him? Uh, Yeah, his disciples forsook him at the critical hour of his arrest. Peter denied him three times, and Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. 
Should we expect an easier way than our Lord had? The Demas heartbreak only made Paul understand the heartbreak of Jesus in a much deeper and real way. And the third group of people, the fun part, uh, the happy part, those who helped Paul. Sweet, sweet memories flooded his soul that last night he lived on planet Earth as he begins to call, I think there's like 32 names of precious people that were there for him, who sacrificed with him, who sacrificed for him. And all these little acts of kindness they did unto him throughout the years, the people thought, oh, that's no big deal. But it was a huge deal for Paul. Paul talked about, as you have given unto me, the fruit that's on my account that God brought through me is going to be fruit on your account. Because how can they go and preach except they be sent? And there's a whole bunch of senders on that list. There was a corporate burden they stepped up to, and there'll be a corporate reward for those people. And they didn't even hardly realize it. They weren't giving to Paul so we can be rich in heaven and have treasures. They just did it because they love God and they love Paul. And yet God was taking note of that. So Paul celebrated them, called them by name. The Holy Spirit wrote their names in the eternal word of God. They helped Paul. I remember when I was a young preacher, our church was going through some hard times. Those first two years I was saved and God just burned in my heart to stand alongside my preacher. Uh, other people who were rejecting him, it was a group of doctrinal issues. People had different doctrines they were throwing at him and threatening him and the church uh, lost about a hundred people that second year I was there. And I watched his heart break, but God put on my heart to stand next to him. I looked him in the eye and I hugged him and said, preacher, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. There was no sin issues uh, in his life. He was a godly man and preached the word of God. You know, there was that corporate burden that they stepped up to and they not even hardly realizing there's going to be a corporate reward. The sacrifice was temporary. The reward was will be eternal. Hold on to that. So Paul was having a good time going down that list of people who helped him. Here I am in the latter part of my journey. I'm hoping to go on another 10, 12, 15 years. Who knows? 68 years old now. You know, how far will this thing go? But I have, like Paul had, a whole long list of people who've helped me along the way. Precious memories. I could go on for hours about the special people God had, the right people in the right place at the right time to give me what I needed. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about just words of kindness, just a helping hand, a word of encouragement to those people. And I know many of you listening are those people in my life, and I'll love you forever. But we too, like Paul, will have all the same kind of people, types of people in our path along our lives as well. Let the hinderers and the herders only drive us closer to our Lord and celebrate the precious ones that he sends to help us. So that's a little bit of a, a small biblical foundation to go deeper into the problem people that never seem to go away. I like to uh, categorize uh, problem people into two groups. Number one, there's family problem people, and they're kind of there to last. Uh, they're, they're not really going away. Jesus had 
problem uh, family members. His own brothers weren't with mom when she was at the cross, and Jesus felt needed to have John step up to care for his mother. Why? Because his other brothers and sisters seemed to have forsaken Mary because she continued her commitment to Jesus. So there were some uh, issues even in the Jesus immediate family there. I think God gave us our family members. And so we really need to draw nigh to the Lord and get wisdom on how to do that. Number two, the largest group by far in our lives are non-family members. I remember as playmate, uh, as a child, a stronger boy would rip their toy out of my hand and maybe clock me over the head with it and, and steal the toy. I mean, it was people problems right in the, the playground, in the sandbox. And then you go to school. There were schoolmates that made fun of me because I didn't have any earlobes. And I had never noticed that, but they did. They noticed that my teeth were uh, stuck out. They called me Bucky Beaver. And then I got braces on my teeth to fix them. They called me Brace Face Teeth. Grin, metal mouth. I mean, it just never stops. Then there were my college mates who in the dorm who took advantage of the situation and wouldn't give me privacy and quietness to do my studies. And one guy even used my deodorant, man. It was ah, problem people are everywhere, even in Bible college, workmates, uh, neighbors who encroach upon our sovereignty and make false accusations. Man, life has problem people at every level. Even in ministry, there have been people who wept at my side and committed to help build the church that uh, only lasted six months or a year. And something came up and they didn't like it and they were gone. Boy, one of the great thrills I've had over the years is people who left our ministry trickled back, sent me some of the sweetest letters, and I was an idiot, and I don't know why I hardened my heart toward you. And man, I bet I've had a hundred of the sweetest letters sent to me and electronically now through uh, social media. They, they got over whatever was bothering them. They looked back, and it was important for them to tell me that it really wasn't me, pastoral failure. It was just they were going through a hard time. They took their eyes off the Lord. But oh, how sweet it is when God fixes what was wrong. So in every area of our life and almost every season of our life, we'll have problem people. You know, they can make us or they can break us. You ever think about it? Most of the Psalms are about problem people in David's life. All of the Proverbs deal with various types of problem people. The arrogant, the sensual woman, the sluggard false accusers, the fools. Why would any follower of Jesus ever expect even a semi-easy way? Our spiritual enemy will see to it that these kind of people will be there to hinder and to hurt us along the path in our walk with Christ. Problem people rose up immediately and unexpectedly to me when I came to Christ. Immediately, my brothers were angry that I would no longer give them alcohol and drugs or porn. My mom said, you can go to church, but don't you come bringing religion into this family. We already have enough problems. I told my dad I got saved. He laughed and said, I didn't know you were drowning. Every time I tried to bring up something spiritual, he just made it into a joke. He did show respect towards me, but he wanted no part of hearing my story or hearing the gospel. My girlfriend who brought me to Christ, who brought me to the church, she fell away from church. She turned from the Lord. She mocked my 
now beloved pastor and broke off our relationship, went deep into sin, got pregnant, got venereal disease, <laughs> mocked me to my old drug crowd. Oh my. So <laughs> problems arose immediately. I, I, I thought, no, I'm following Jesus. Life will be a whole lot easier. Well, it was easier that I wasn't being chased by the law anymore because I wasn't dealing drugs anymore. So a lot of my life got easier, got sober and, and didn't have to worry about DWIs and being busted for selling drugs. So a lot of my life got easier, but there was another part of my life that seemed to get harder. I was in conflict with people because I loved Jesus. And it turns out, it seems like they hated Jesus. So the conflict people were there waiting I was growing in Christ through those early days. I was getting really involved in the church. And one day I was tested. I got to the church first, but gassed up to Sunday school buses, drove one of them, picked up a bunch of kids, brought them to Sunday school. They stayed for church. I took them home. I was the first to get there. I was the last to get back to the church. There was a man waiting for me, a self-appointed church leader. His name was Ace Channel. He's now with the Lord. He was uh, a little bit off kilter there. He waited for me to get off the bus. It's now almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. I got there at 8. It's almost 2 now. He's waiting for me. And for 45 minutes, he told me off. He told me I was a terror among the wheat. He told me I was a transplant of Satan into our church. He told me I was full of arrogance and pride. He told me I was the worst thing that had ever happened to Cook Road Baptist Church. And I was humiliated. I was uh, angered. Uh, I, I didn't know what to do, but the Holy Spirit was in me. And the Holy Spirit in me gave me power not retaliate, not to defend myself. I kept thinking of how they were falsely accusing Jesus. And I just listened. And I bowed my head and I said, Mr. Channel, thank you for sharing your heart with me. And I am just broken before God. I listened to everything you said, and I want to repent of every sin in my life. Would you please pray over me? I just want to live in the future so that you'll never have to say those kind of things about me again. And he was shocked. He, I think he wanted me to retaliate, but I just broke. The Bible says agree with those uh, that uh, are contrary to you lest they be angry with you and throw you in jail. So I, I just agreed with him. I, I didn't attack back. I didn't self-justify. I just, I just took it to the Lord. Will you pray over me? He was shocked. I, I don't think he really wanted to pray over me, but he did. And then I said, Mr. Channel, would you like to take me to the pastor and the elders of the church? Perhaps I need uh, to be under the discipline of the church for my failure. He wanted no part of that. And that's when I realized he wasn't representing the church at all. He was just kind of full of himself. He had been a youth leader, uh, a volunteer, and nothing had really happened in the youth group while he was leading it. And then God brought me in and a bunch of kids got saved and we were on fire and we were winning kids to Christ. And our youth group went from about 25 to about 75 in less than a year. And even today, a huge part of those kids are serving the Lord that grew up to be pillars in their church. He was just a mess. 
I think he was guilty of everything he accused me of. The sad thing, and I don't celebrate this, but two years later, his kid is busted for drugs, went to prison. Five years later, Mr. Channel's not even in any church. 20 years later, he had left our church (laughs) soon after he told me off. But 20 years later, our pastor died. I was the keynote speaker at the funeral in Ace Channel that I hadn't seen in about 19 years. Saw me at the funeral. He came up to me, put his head on my shoulder, and wept, hugged me, and begged my forgiveness. For 20 years, he carried that unnecessary burden. But all those 20 years, I was free. You see, Satan, I think, was using Mr. Channel to stop me, to break me. But God was using Mr. Channel to test me, to see if my eyes are going to be on the Lord or on self. You see, the power is not in other people's actions. The power is in our responses to those things that people put in our path. God was kind of putting Mr. Channel down, putting him in his place, and all the while he was kind of quietly agonizingly at times, God was in a process of lifting me up. It hurt in the immediate, but it helped in the end. You always have to hold on to this, that when the problem people come in your life and you're hurt, you're let down and you're confused, just remember, God allowed that to happen. And God is big and God is good. He knows what he's doing. He's just testing you. He's trying you. He has allowed that ultimately for your spiritual growth and for his glory. We used to sing a song in our church, a powerful little song called, uh, well, the lyrics went this way. Why complain about the problem? Rejoice in the opportunity. You got a chance to grow in grace. Take hold of responsibility. The reward is worth the suffering. There's glory some sweet day. Praise God for the problems in our way. No problem people will always be there, but God will give us wisdom and power and deliverance in the end. In faith, the problem people will make us better and not bitter. They'll make us wiser. They'll make us stronger. I I certainly don't want to oversimplify the challenges of problem people. Scripture is full of counsel and encouragement, full of specific instructions to treat different people in different ways. For instance, treat the younger women as sisters. Treat the older women as mothers. Those that labor in the word are Worthy of double honor. Receive not accusations against an elder, but with two or three witnesses. Biblical instructions will keep us from being problem people. That's really important. I don't want to be a problem person. I want to be a problem resolver. I don't want to be a troublemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. So God uses all those kind of people to teach us these kind of lessons. And God wants to teach us how not to allow the problem people from controlling our lives. Can you hear Jesus saying, love your enemies, pray for those who despitefully use you? Those are problem people. Agree with your adversary when you are in the way, lest he be angry with you and throw you into jail. I think I quoted that a minute ago. Never forget, the same Jesus who told us to do these things has come to live in us and empower us to do what he says. So I have no excuse. He is my power source. Jesus gave us clear biblical patterns 
for problem resolution. Matthew 18, 15 to 17, if thy brother offend thee, go to thy brother alone. Face to face, in humility, man up. So few people do this. They wouldn't dare go to the person that offended them, but they'll talk behind their back and only makes things worse. The biblical pattern, the Holy Spirit, if we're going to resolve a problem, will guide us to obey Jesus. Go to them alone. If that doesn't work, take a witness, an objective or two, an objective voice to mediate the situation. If that doesn't work, bring it to church elders. That's the pattern God established to work through problems with problem people, but so few people really do that. When we violate God's patterns of problem solution, it only makes things worse. But if we walk in the spirit, we will follow biblical protocol and we can see how the power of the Holy Spirit is always working in obedience to the word of God. You know, in my 44 years of pastoral care, I have dealt with, it seems like, an entire gamma of sins and mental disorders. With today's COVID-dazed society, horrible human behaviors are surfacing. They're multiplying. Alcoholism on the rise. Drug abuse off the charts. People just living in fear. Self-mutilization. Depression. Suicide. It's rampant today. And I can hear Jesus speaking on some of these things, these serious personality disorders. Jesus said, comfort the feeble-minded. And through my ministry, the feeble-minded have been very important to me and to my family. God sent us a, a mentally challenged uh, woman early in our ministry. We just called her Miss Charlotte. And let me tell you, she brought the greatest joy to my family, to uh, our church. She had us wrapped around her little finger. She's the only church member I had every year that we took out for her birthday lunch. And she'd have shrimp at Friendly's Restaurant with uh, ice cream, strawberry ice cream sundae. And then just before we left, she'd order another shrimp dinner to take for her dinner. So it was a double blessing uh, to have Charlotte in our lives. God also gave me a young man in our church whose name was Randy, who was just an all-American kid, musician, a godly kid, grew up on a farm. He came down with paranoid schizophrenia. It was so sad. And through the past 30 years, Randy has become uh, one of my finest friends. And some of our chit-chats get a little bit weird as he kind of takes me into his world. But uh, he tells me that, Pastor Duke, you're my best friend in the whole world. And then he laughs and says, you're my only friend in the whole world, but I love uh, Randy and he'll be a part of my life forever. So Jesus said, comfort the feeble minded. And I do that as unto the Lord. Jesus said, I was uh, hungry. You fed me. I was in jail. You visited me. And then people said, I don't remember doing that. And Jesus said, when you do this to the least of these, you've done it to me. And so I'm thankful for the special needs people that God has put in my life. But also through the years, pastoral, I've run into people uh, who are have bipolar disorder. And let me tell you, that has brought great confusion to their families and to uh, church ministry, great challenges via those who have suffered from bipolar disorder. When they're on their medicines, they feel horrible. And then when they get off their medications, their psychotic conditions get worse and it just throws things into another realm of uh, confusion. Recently, been faced with uh, some challenges of people who are narcissists. Their behaviors just bring 
tremendous confusion to those in their circle, whether it be church or family, putting innocent people on guilt trips as they manipulate and control others and make everybody else look like the bad guy and themselves to be the good guys. You need to go to psychology uh, today dot com and look at the 10 marks of a narcissist. Oh my goodness. These are confusing things, but they're in our face today all the time in ministry with alcohol and drug issues. Uh, my own family, my dad just kept help pulling my brothers out, giving them money, getting them out of jail, paying off uh, their fines. Uh, They'd be homeless and he'd kind of take them in and give them money. And it just went on and on and on for years. I said, dad, you got to confront him. You got to turn off the source of money. And finally, with a broken heart, he did. And it broke his heart. He cut him off. And within a year, both my brothers found Jesus, found sobriety, and committed the rest of their lives to helping other people get free from drugs. My dad just had to man up. It takes uh, some kind of uh, interventions where families and friends will get together to confront that one who is uh, controlled by alcohol and drugs. And and uh, our government just throws money at it, throws money at it, throws money at it, and it doesn't work. It takes the power of love of a family and friends to confront them, have a plan in place for treatment, and hold them accountable don't throw money at it. It only will continue the alcohol and drug abuse. So these are issues that are in our face, off the charts, uh, difficult in these last days. It's so important to identify the different kinds of problems, learn as much as possible about the cycles of behavior. It's uh, so much help to get outside opinions, professional opinions in reference to uh, personal mental disorders get voices from the outside that are objective and not clouded with emotion and, and human baggage and family relationships. Truth is God's tool to set people free. First of all, biblical truth, and then behavioral pattern of truth as well. We must ask God for wisdom concerning those who we allow to come into our lives, how deep we allow people to come into our lives. We don't want problem people controlling us. Scripture says, mark those who cause divisions and avoid them. Scripture says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. In my early pastoral years, I allowed high maintenance people to use up a huge portion of my pastoral care. When scripture says I should be committing myself to faithful people who will also be able to teach others. But I wanted so bad to be loved by the high maintenance folks. I allowed them to control much of my narrative. It took me years to get that thing balanced out. And when I no longer could serve that needy group and give them everything they wanted when they wanted it, immediately turned on me and hated me. You're not a good pastor anymore. And they blame me for being a lousy pastor. I don't learn too fast and I can prove it. You know, when I was young, I could see events, but as the years went by, I could begin to see the patterns of people behaviors. I have some concluding thoughts and I think they're really important. Summarizing a 30-minute podcast that really needed six hours of information. But I want to be at the core of this. Jesus can fix anything. It all comes down to Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in me. Christ on the throne of my heart. Christ responding to each person 
through me. Christ confronted the hypocrites. He exposed their lies. He angered those who were evil and hurting others. He said to one group of people, ye that be without sin, cast the first stone and the woman who was taken in adultery. So they said, he said, I forgive you, go and sin no more. Jesus always met people where they were, loved them unconditionally and gave them truth, truth to set them free. If they didn't receive the truth, what do you do? You cast the dust from off your feet and you go on to those who will be able to respond to the truth. Christ in me will always keep me humble. He will always keep me longing to reconcile with people who are estranged from me. He will lead me to seek wise counsel. He will lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil ones. He will empower us to forgive those who've trespassed against us as he has forgiven us. Christ in me doesn't see problem people. He sees opportunities to help. If they reject the help, that's a different story. He leads me on uh, to someone who will listen. I've seen him fix things at work by humbling myself. One guy, Dave the Atheist, at a place I worked, he used to just say that, Duke the Preacher, and he goes, I'm Dave the Atheist, and he used to mock me. One day, uh, towards the end of the day, he got me alone. He just told me off, and I didn't defend myself. I just humbled myself before him and said, Dave, I've been a bad witness. I've not represented Christ well, and I'm so sorry, and I'm just going to pray that I listen to what you say, and I'm just going to try to do better. <laughs> About a year later, I left that job to go to Bible college. He pulled me aside. He goes, Duke, he goes, you know, I've claimed to be an atheist, he says, but I've been watching you very closely. He goes, I know you're for real. And he goes, I want you to know that um, I respect you. And he goes, you're almost making me think there is a God. And so, you know, we had a problem and I just humility, God fixed it. That meant the world to me. It took humility on his part to, to say that to me. I've seen problems at church get fixed, and I know Christ can just do anything. We, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You know, God will give us wisdom in the moment. He will teach us when to jump in deeper and when to pull back. You know, at the end of the road, we too, like Paul, will look back and see people who hurt us, people who hindered us, and people that helped us. But way more important than all that is this, who were we in the lives of other people? Will other people be able to look back at the end of their journey and say of you and say of me, wow, they helped me see Jesus. Wow, they lived the gospel in front of me. Wow, I came to know the Lord through their testimony and through their witness. You're the one who invited me to church. Thank you. Will people be able to look at us and say, wow, they came alongside me when I was a young Christian and helped me to grow. So that's really, really important. Who will God use us to help along the way? Well, my friends, we just spent about 33 minutes on uh, this topic. Oh, my goodness. We could go on and on and on. When you leave your house today, problem people are going to be out there waiting for you. But Jesus is with you. He'll give you wisdom. Let him give you the right heart before you go out. Pray for wisdom. And when those problems arise, thank God for it. And uh, be conscious that he's with you. And he can turn the sorrows into joy. He can deliver these people 
from their evils, and he can use us to be a blessing. So thanks for tuning me in today. Love you. God bless you. Bye-bye for now.